this morning, if you would turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 24. As you've noticed this morning, we have transitioned uh, from our couple of weeks looking at some psalms of thanksgiving, and now we are moving uh, to the Christmas season. This month, at least the next couple of weeks specifically, uh, we're going to be celebrating, thinking about, looking at um, Advent, Advent texts. Some of you say, well, Advent, thought we're doing Christmas. Well, uh, those go hand in hand. If you're not familiar with Advent, uh, there are two really important Advents. And I'll give you the definition of the word instead of just using it over and over in just a second. But two really specific Advents that are really important for us. Now, what is an Advent? Well, the definition is the arrival of a notable person thing or event. So we say Jesus's birth was the first advent, right? That's how it's tied to Christmas. When Jesus, a very notable person, came to earth, a very notable event, we say that that is the first advent. But one thing that we're reminded of when we think about Jesus coming to earth is that he didn't just come one time, but he's coming a second time. Right? He, he came as a baby born of the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, and promised that he's going to come back again. And so today's text and next week's text will specifically be to help us, people that are living between the first and second advent, to know what it is that we need to do. How is that special? How does our life need to look different because we live in this time period that we do? So Matthew chapter 24, there's a good bit of information. 25, there's a good bit of information about this. We're going to look at uh, two specific things, one this week, one section of Scripture this week, another next week, and then we'll look at the actual birth narrative uh, for the few weeks leading up to Christmas. But look with me in Matthew 24, verse 36, and we'll get our introduction for today. Jesus speaking. He says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. And so I want to stop for just a moment there, because as we get this introduction to this text, this introduction makes it very clear that we're coming in in the middle of a conversation. right? Jesus says, But concerning that day an hour, that day and that hour. So there's already been a question that's been phrased. There's already been something that's talking about. So anytime we read something like that, we immediately want to stop and say, all right, who's he talking to? What have they been talking about? What have I missed here? I need a little bit of catch up. And so chapters Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 all stems really from two questions that were asked at the beginning of chapter 24. At the beginning of chapter 24, Jesus is talking about the destruction of the temple. And look with me in verse 3 as he gets a question from the disciples. It says, As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so for the rest of chapter 24 and for chapter 25, Jesus is answering these questions. They want to know, when is it that the temple is going to be destroyed? We're not, I'm not going to be too technical in this, but just tell he's already answered that. By the time that we get to where we are today, he's already told them when the temple was going to be destroyed. He's told them about that. So now here's the question that Jesus is answering. 
Here's our mindset for today. The disciples say, tell us what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. Here's what the disciples want to know. Jesus, how will we know that the end is about to be here? Jesus, give us some signs. Give us, when you see this happen, it's about to be time to go. Everybody here that comes here regularly knows that when Brother Zach walks around the right side of the stage and comes to the floor, that it's about to be time to go, right? Y'all all look for that sign. You're excited about that sign. That's what they say. Jesus, give me a sign. I want to know. Give me some insider tips. When you see this, you better be ready. Y'all want to know? Y'all want to know the sign? Y'all want me to tell you? And when you see this, it's getting close. Everybody wants to know that. Let's look back at the text. Verse 36 again, when Jesus answers that question. He says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. So Jesus here in response to the question, give us some signs so that when we see this, We'll know that it's about to be time. When we see this, we need to be prepared. Jesus tells them there's no such thing. There aren't going to be signs that when you see these signs tell you that you need to get ready. He starts out by telling them, listen, I don't even know. And we could spend a lot of time discussing that point. How is it that Jesus says the angels don't know and I don't know? We're not going to this morning because that's not the point that Jesus is making here. It's just something that could distract us at this point in time. So he's not, he's not making that point, but he says, I don't even know. And I, I want you to think about this, because we love to read the book of Revelation. We, we love to read some apocalyptic scripture in the last half of Daniel and some other pieces, uh, Thessalonians. We love to read those. But do you think that if you could work out a formula from the book of Revelation that would tell you the exact date that Jesus would have stood there and told the disciples, I don't even know the date? You can't work out a specific date. So he tells us that. He makes that clear. And not only does he make it clear, he makes it clear over and over and over throughout this text. First, he just says it. You will not know. I don't know. The angels don't know. You're not going to know. So that's point one. I want you to have this in your bulletin if you want to, if you want to write it down for, to help you remember it. Point one. We do not and will not know when Jesus will return. We don't know it now. We don't know the date. If anybody tells you they know the date, they're wrong. Jesus says they're wrong. But not only do we not know it now, we're not going to know it in the future. We're not going to see something happen and say, yes, this is the third full moon of the month of January, which makes it a blood strawberry moon, which means that two years from today, Jesus is coming. Because Jesus says that's not how it works. We don't know, and we're not going. So not only does Jesus just say that, but then he gives a historic example of what it's going to look like when he comes. 
So that's when he goes in the next couple of verses, being in verse 37. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. What's Jesus telling us there? He's telling you, listen, here's how it's going to be. You're going to be going about your everyday business. You'll be doing what you normally do, driving to work or spending time with family or eating a meal. So what happened in the days of Noah? All the people, they're getting engaged, they're having weddings, they're planning events, they're having people over for meals, and all of the sudden the flood came. They didn't expect it, they didn't know it was coming. The flood comes, and when it came, when it got there, everybody knew that it was there. But before it got there, they didn't know. They didn't know the time. He says that's what the coming of the Son, that's what the second advent, that's what Christ's return is going to look like. We're going to be doing all the things that we normally do, and then all of a sudden it's going to happen. We don't know when that's going to be. He reiterates that by not just giving us that historical example of Noah, but then he also tells us what it'll look like for us. Verse 40. Then... Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. And again, there's a lot there that we want to try and unpack about what that means. It's not the point Jesus is making here. Let me ask you a question. If you knew that Jesus was coming back Tuesday, would you go to work tomorrow? Probably not. Some of you like your jobs. Stay-at-home moms would all go to work tomorrow because they love what they do. Those of you that don't love your job, I'm not going to work tomorrow if Jesus comes back Tuesday. And so he gives us the example. He said, listen, the men are going to be in the field up until the moment that Jesus comes. They're not in the field because they love being in the field. They're in the field because they don't know that Jesus is coming. Women are going to be at the mill grinding. Why? Because they don't know that he's coming. But when he comes, then everybody's going to know it. It's going to impact everyone. It's going to be apparent going to be clear, but it's also going to be sudden. And that's what Jesus reiterates there in verse 39. When he talks about the flood, he says, they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So that's what the coming of the Son of Man is going to be like. So Jesus tells us, he says, you don't know and you're not going to know. He says, it's going to be like Noah and the people in his day and time. They didn't know and they didn't know till it happened. And then he gives us another example. He, te- he teaches the same thing three times because we're slow. At least I am. He says, you know what it's going to be like? You're going to be going to work, doing stuff you always do, and then it's going to happen. He says it three different ways for people like us. But then he goes even further. Not only does he teach it to us three different ways, telling us the information, telling us what it looked like historically, telling us what it looked look like practically, But then in verse 32, he says, just in case you haven't understood the application, let me give you the application of this truth. And he said, therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. So here's the truth, the theological truth. We don't know when God's going to bring about the end of human history as we know it. That's the truth. Jesus says, you don't know, you're not going to know when the end is coming. That's the truth. And here's the application of that truth. What do you do with that information? You make sure that you're always ready. You make sure that you are always prepared for the end. It says, so, therefore, 
Stay awake. What does stay awake mean? It means be ready. Be on alert. It could happen at any moment. So always be ready. Point two. We do not know when Jesus will return, so we must always be ready. Excuse me. But even more than that, Jesus gives us the truth three different ways. He gives us the application. Lays it out here. Listen, Brother Zach, you're slow. This is what this truth means. You've got to always be ready. But then he goes even further for people like me that need this. In verses 43 and 44, he gives us a, what we might call a mini parable that helps us understand it even better. So look in verses 43 and 44. It says, But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, pretty straightforward parable. The one thing that I think is a little bit off or a little bit odd to us about the parable is that here, apparently, the man that owns the house knows that a robber's coming. It's the way that Jesus tells this parable. There's a man, and he knows that a robber's coming... But he doesn't know what hour the robber is going to come. So he's been put on alert for whatever reason. They said, listen, somebody's coming to rob your house tonight. We just don't know what time he's going to be there. Now, I want you to put yourself in that situation for just a moment. Somebody tells you, please come by. Listen, we've gotten really good information that somebody's going to rob your house tonight. We just don't know what time they're coming. Would you fluff your pillows and drink a cup of hot tea, have a warm bath, and lay down and go to sleep? Or would you be diligently prepared, right? Make sure the dogs haven't been fed so that they're hungry. Set the alarm, get the guns, make sure they're loaded, right? You would do everything because there's a burglar coming, and he's coming to rob your stuff. And all of you that have been to burglar school know the first rule of burglaring is to strike when it's least expected. And so that's what happens here. The man is not diligent. Even though he knows it's going to happen, he is not ready. He does not make preparations. And so what happens? Jesus says that the thief comes and breaks into the man's house. Now, we have to transition because Jesus isn't really talking about burglars and houses. He's talking about his coming back. He's talking about... His return. So what is he telling us here? In such a beautiful way, in such a clear way, what he's telling us is that since we know he's going to come back, but we don't know when he's going to come back, we need to always be ready. Whatever preparations need to be made, they need to be made. Right? Getting the guns loaded, having some friends over, setting the alarm, locking the doors, that's what you do for a burglar. When Christ is coming, whatever preparations you need to make, he's saying you better go ahead and make them because there's not going to be a sign that you're going to see and say, oh, that's the sign he's about to come back soon. There isn't going to be a sign. There isn't going to be a, a warning. There's not going to be an alert on your phone. So you better always be ready. That's what Jesus is teaching here. A little bit of a sub point I did want to make sure that he makes very clear from this, from point three. 
Point three is the hour of Jesus' return isn't only unknown, but will also be unexpected. He makes that, right? We see that with Noah and the historical. They didn't expect there to be a flood. If, there had been, if they expected a flood, they probably wouldn't have been getting engaged in planning weddings, right? They wouldn't have been doing those things if they would have expected a flood to be coming. He says it in verse 44. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So not only do you not know when it's going to happen, but you're not going to expect it to happen when it's going to happen. I read a, a fable that William Barclay in his commentary about this text shared, and I think it's a really fitting one for us as we start to think about clearly how we apply this text. He said, uh, in the fable, it goes like this. There were three apprentice devils who were coming to the earth to finish their apprenticeship. So they're talking to Satan, and each one tells Satan what their plan is. When I get to earth, this is what I'm going to do to try and trap people. And so the first one says, I will tell them that there is no God. So I'm going to trick people. I'll tell them there's no God. It's, uh, Satan said, that will not delude many, for they know there is a God. So the second one says, well, here's my plan. I'll tell them that there is no hell. And Satan said, you will deceive no one that way. They know even now that there is a hell for sin. And so the third one says, I will tell them there is no hurry. And Satan said, go. You will ruin them by the thousand. And I think what a fitting fable to help apply this point because brothers and sisters if I ask you here this morning do you believe that Jesus is coming back I think every one of you would say yes yes we believe that he's coming back and then I said well do you know when he's coming back you would say no I don't know when he's coming back and then if I said so do you live every single day like it could be today I don't think we could say yes to that we should live every day like it could be today. It's part of what Jesus is teaching here. You don't know when it's going to happen, so always be ready. If you knew tomorrow was the day that Christ was returning, you would live it a certain way. Well, since you don't know if he's going to return tomorrow, you should live tomorrow that way anyways. That's what Jesus tells us here. Always be ready. And next week, he's going to go into more specific detail. He's going to, there's a longer parable that we're going to look at in the latter part of, of chapter 24, when he really spells out in greater detail what it means to be ready. It's really next week's point. This, this week's point is you need to be ready. Next week's point is what does it mean to be ready. But I do want to give you at least the most basic idea of what it means to be ready. How you can be prepared. If somebody's going to break into your house, you know how to be prepared. If Jesus is going to return, some of you say, Brother I don't know how to be prepared for that. I don't know what I need to do if Jesus is returning. So point four, try to make that clear. We must have set all our faith and hope in Jesus Christ in order to be ready. What does it mean to be ready for Jesus' return? It means having made Him Savior and Lord. It means having given your life to Him. It means responding in faith to Jesus Christ. It means at least that. Now, Jesus will show us next week it can mean more to be completely ready. But at the most basic level, it has to mean at least this. Because if you haven't done this, you are in no way ready. 
Next week, he's going to talk about how we should live our life and, and things that we should do. And we can talk about us having shared uh, the gospel with other people. But if you haven't ever entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, all those things are down the road. What you need to do now is set all your hope and all your faith in Jesus Christ. When he returns, what is your hope? How do you hope that you'll go to heaven? What is your plan? If it's anything other than the blood of Jesus Christ, then you're in the wrong place. You're not ready. You're like a man who knows that your house is going to be broken into, who has gone to sleep anyways. So when I ask you this this morning, I want you to think about it for just a moment. Have you ever entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ through placing your faith in Him? Do you recognize that Jesus came to earth was born of a virgin. God left heaven and came to earth in the form of a baby, born of a virgin. You believe and know that he lived a perfect life, never sinned a single time, then went to a cross and not only endured the pain of nails and whipping and beatings, but also endured the pain of God's wrath for your sins. That he paid the price and the penalty for your sins, and now that you have responded in faith, that you have given your life to Him, that you are living how He wants you to, that He is Lord, that He is boss, that you are saved from your sins because of His blood. Do you know those things? Have you made that declaration to Him? You are Lord. I have no hope of anything except for you. Have you done that? Because if not, I'm telling you, the scriptures are telling you, you are not ready. You're going to be like all the people in Noah's day who hadn't made preparations, who were not ready, and all of a sudden were caught off guard and were ruined forever. And that's what it's going to look like. Because when Christ returns, there will be those that are elated at His presence. Because this is our Savior and our King returning to receive us. And there will be those that are ruined forever. Because this is my judge that is returning to give me the guilty sentence for all of my sins. And to punish me to eternal torment and punishment in hell. This morning... If you have made that decision, I would have usually walked to the floor. I didn't this morning on purpose. This morning, if you've made that decision, I just want to quickly remind you not to let, not to let that come into your mind as something that makes you better than other people. The fact that we have been saved from our sins because of Jesus' blood doesn't make us better. It shouldn't make me think that I'm better than somebody else because Jesus has saved me. It should make me think more of Him, not more of me. Brothers and sisters, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you're saved by faith in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven because of His blood, I don't want you to think more of yourself. I want you to think more of Him. We, those of us that are saved, we should celebrate Christmas more than anybody else. I don't mean you should have more lights. I mean you should be more excited because Jesus' birth led to his life and death that leads to our salvation. We should celebrate Christmas like nobody else celebrates Christmas because it's more meaningful to us. But if you're here and you haven't 
this morning, if you would respond to him, if you recognize who he is and who you are without him, and you would come to him, he has already paid the price that you could be forgiven of your sins you would respond in faith. I want to ask you to stand this morning. If there are things that you need to make right, if you know that you're a Christian but you haven't been living like it, you haven't been living like you're ready and prepared this morning, I ask that you would repent of that, that we would turn our hearts toward Him and live our life for Him every day. This morning, if you're here and you've never done that, never placed your faith in Him, I want you to know that if you would come, He's made that available to you. This morning, we're going to have a time of invitation. We're going to sing. And you can do what you feel that the Lord's leading you to. If you need to pray where you are, then you spend time praying. I don't want you to feel like you have to sing. You can pray at these altars. I'll pray with you. If you have questions, I'd love to answer those questions. But if you just want to sing out of joy for who Christ is and what he's done for us, you can do that as well. But you respond to the Lord the way he leads, as Brother Shane leads us in him of invitation.